0: I just wanted to stop everything and take the time today to let you know how very thankful I am that you've been there for me. I want to say thanks for never giving up on me. Thank you for providing meals for us after Blake's surgery. Thanks for making sure I always had a ride to chemo and thank you for helping me through this difficult season in my life god thank you god for teaching me to be a strong single dad dear god thank you so much for giving me this new job i love it thanks for sending jeff to take my shift last week so i could be with my family for keeping me company on the first day of school thank you god for helping us get that bill paid thank you god For the clothes on my back. For giving me the courage to speak the truth. Thank you for forgiving me. For making my day better. For giving my life a melody. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. For every single day. And one final thing, God. Thank you for always loving me. No matter what. We give God some glory in His house today. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Where would we be without the Lord? He intervened in our lives when we needed Him most. He came to the rescue. He redeemed us from the curse. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Lord, sometimes I... I feel like I, I'm too far removed from the joy of my salvation. I forget sometimes what he really did for me and how what a mess I was until he came into my life. And I've been walking with him for so long, sometimes it's easy to forget where you came from. And you you can not be properly thankful for all that he's done. And that's when you need to stir yourself up, put yourself in remembrance. Our God is a good, own time God. He doesn't stop loving us. He never will. He will keep on coming to our rescue. And I don't know about you, but I need a lot of rescue. If I hadn't introduced myself, I'm Pastor Guy. I'm glad you're here today. I'm glad that I have all you guys to come to my rescue too. <laughs> that we have each other. Isn't that wonderful? God is good. Just last Sunday after we, we had church, we went to the nursing home. We got to to bless the elderly folks there. Hopefully brought a, a courage and word and light into their lives. And then we went to the jailhouse. Three guys stood up and got saved. Man, every every soul is just worth celebrating. God thinks so. It says the angels in heaven rejoice over one lost sinner. Amen. That comes to repentance anyway. And then what? Yesterday we went to youth villages with Soul Food an Outreach Band of Passion Church, and they came in one way, but they left another. They came in with their heads hanging down, and they went out rejoicing and happy and high fiving. And the boys came in, and 22 of them left saved. The girls came in and sat down, we started playing and they was trying to not tap their feet. They was looking at each other is it all right to clap. By the second song they was up in front and just praising the Lord with us and by the time they left 13 of those girls had given their life to Jesus. And I'm just going to be honest with you for a moment. Can I be honest? Even though I'm a preacher. <laughs> <laughs> no uh, I I told Kaylee I, I said I don't feel spiritual today yesterday I was there I just was in one of those moods I just didn't feel spiritual didn't feel godly really wasn't prepared you know for the message that I was going to give to those kids and playing just my plan was off it's just like I wasn't connected it was like God you're going to you're gonna have to do it I can't do it and I started preaching to them, and it started coming out dry, and I didn't know what to say, and I was making it up as I went along. and, and But the Holy Spirit began to take over. And I preached way too long to those kids. The, the bands over there thinking, oh, here he goes again. But I'm going to tell you this. The Holy Spirit said through me what needed to be said, and it took a while to get there. It took a while. Sometimes it takes a while to get there. But the main thing is I just didn't come in with a canned message, say my piece and leave and hope somebody got something. We stayed until it was done what God wanted to do. And those kids heard what they needed to hear yesterday. And I walked away knowing that it was all God and none of me and that's the way I like it. That's the way I like it. And, and Kaylee was encouraging me. She's she's teaching me how to do it. She said, "Yeah, you got to stay in there even when you don't feel like it. You got to put a smile on your face. You got to press in." She was in, she was telling me, man, and that's good. That's who you want to be your cheerleader, your praise and worship leader. Amen. It doesn't matter if she don't feel good one day; she still cares about what's happening to you. So we're blessed. We're blessed with a good praise team, you know. I have to get on them sometimes because, I don't, I don't know why I'm telling you all this, but sometimes they come up here and they look serious. And I'm like, man, you know, we're trying to start off big. I want you to come out with smiles and all that. But I want you to know where those serious looks come from because Brother Chad used to play in the nightclubs before he was saved. And he would do the big show and everything, trying to, to bring attention to himself. But when he got saved, his heart is to do anything but bring attention to himself. We used to dress flamboyantly. Now we dress down so you don't notice me. And so Brother Chad comes up here to sing. He's not trying to be noticed. But I'm trying to tell him it's okay to lead, because your job is to lead the people. You, you, you should put a smile on. You should. But, but it's hard to get him to, to change because, because his heart is to not be seen while he's singing. Does that make sense? He wants you to pay attention to Jesus. We're all learning as we go well let's pray we'll get started 35 souls at at youth villages yesterday 35 kids that were without hope in the world but now have a home in heaven i am so thankful god that you did that i don't want any credit either i just want you to be glorified i want to give you all the thanks and the praise and the glory I want you to continue to use us just as vessels, just as the mailmen that deliver your package. We don't need the glory. We want you to get the glory because when people give you the glory, it changes their lives and their understanding. When the focus is on you, when you be high and lifted up, you will draw all men to yourself. And that's where they need to come. Not to me, but to you, Lord. Oh, Jesus. You care about those kids yesterday so deeply. You care about every one in these purple chairs today so deeply. And father, to our shame you care about you care about care about those empty purple chairs out there too. Mm. Lord give us a realization of those souls that could be changed. If we would invite our friends and our family and our co-workers and the lost and the hurt and the downtrodden, give us a heart for your your church, Lord, to see people saved for the lost. Restoring us the joy of our salvation so that it can be evident in our expression of our life so that people will want what we have. And give us a mouth that we may proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. We thank you that your good news will be proclaimed here today. That your word will weigh heavy on our hearts. And it will change us from the inside out. And we will not leave the way we came in this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we've just concluded our first semester of life groups. First ever semester of life group. We went from a Wednesday night service to life groups during the week, meeting in people's homes like it said in the book of Acts. They met in the temple and they met in people's homes and it has rash... Radically change the way we're doing church. I see so much, so many more friendships and fellowships being created. I see people stepping out of their shell and they're ministering at the life groups, people that normally wouldn't say anything. There, there's more going on. There's more benefit from us all getting involved than just me preaching on a Wednesday night. It has been wonderful. And if you are a life group leader in this past semester, and you opened up your home to people, would you rise right now that we can tell you thank you for the difference that you've made in this church? I know Miss Anita's back in the back. Rick's back there standing up. You guys can be seated. don't want to embarrass you. But you know what? You blazed a path. You were pioneers, you were willing to be the part of the first group that didn't know how it was going to look, whether it was going to work, but you had the courage and the faith to step forward and to open up your homes and to, to be the good shepherd that shepherded the people that God gave you trust over. And I want to thank you from the depth of my heart and the church wants to thank you because this is, this is new and this is going forward, this is the way we do it. It's going to, it's going to allow these banners to come alive and to begin to take place. Here in the church. I thought about this this morning. How did I. What it came to me this morning. I'm, I don't even know where I'm. When I'm going to get to my message. All right. This morning. <clears throat> what? What. What was it. We're a little seed. That's about to move big mountains. It says if you have this. Faith is the seed of a mustard seed. You can say to this mountain, we're a little bitty seed and people think, oh, they're just, Passion Church ain't never going to do nothing. They're bad. I don't even know how to get there. But we're going to move mountains. You look at me and I right now and tell me that we're not going to move mountains. With a heart like yours to work with. With the Spirit of God in here like it is. With the plan and the passion and the vision that God has given us. You tell me we're not going to move mountains. You tell me another church to say they went to youth villages and saw 35 salvations yesterday. We already are moving mountains. We average close to 500 salvations a year in this church. There's some mega churches ain't coming close to that. Now I'm not comparing us to anybody else. I don't want to compare. I just want to rejoice in what we got. It's Thanksgiving. I, I just want to give thanks. I want to give thanks to all that's happening in your life. Because I pray for you. And a lot of other people do too. Man, it's happening here. I'm telling you. Turn to 2 Timothy, verse 3, and we'll try to settle down. We should rejoice. Should stir ourselves up. Woe unto us if we come in here with a sad face, all is going on. 2 Timothy, chapter 3, verse 1. Apostle Paul says, You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. Have you seen that on the news? <clears throat> How many believes this is the last days? If it ain't, I don't know what difficult times is going to look like later. <laughs> For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. Say ungrateful. Ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They'll be unloving, unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, love pleasures rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. As I looked through that scripture, through that passage, I saw one of these conditions of mankind's heart, that if we could change that, If God could get a hold of this one condition, I believe it would greatly affect for the positive all the other conditions. We wouldn't have to worry about people being proud and scoffing and disobedient and slandering and cruel and hatred and uh, reckless and all these other things if we could get a hold of this one thing and stop being ungrateful. And you know there's a lot of things going on in your life that you wish weren't there. But I think... The key may be you start being grateful and it may change your landscape. Can you imagine what a miracle would look like if we were grateful? We're living in the greatest nation ever, God ever blessed. We have more than any nation ever before us. But yet, we're ungrateful. Angie and I were watching a documentary on Vietnam and those guys were over there doing their best to, to secure freedom for our nation. They came back and people spit on them and called them baby killers. Even if you didn't agree with the politics. Come on. Can't you be grateful for somebody willing to lay down their lives? Yeah. Romans 1.21 says, Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship Him as God or even... Give Him thanks. That's terrible. You want to change the bad things, the the ways that you are? Work on being grateful for the things that you have and it will change you. It's hard to be hateful when you're grateful. If this nation would learn that, if we would be grateful for the things we have, we would stop hating on one another. Today's message is entitled, Gratitude is the Best Attitude. I've told told you before, I used to work at FedEx. I worked there for 12 years when I was in my 20s and early 30s. Started out in the hub, you know, uh, working part-time, throwing boxes, working hard, hard hard for a living. You know, it's part-time at night. Fast-paced. You know, we'd come in and talk to the boss, and he'd give us a pep rally for about thirty seconds, and we'd get get out there and start doing what we were supposed to be doing. And there wasn't time to complain. You worked your shift until the, your shift was over. You was tired. You went home, went to bed. But you had a sense of that I had accomplished something. Well, I tried and tried to get on full time. I finally did, and I uh, got on cleaning the airplanes. Day shift job, so excited about it. Come to find out, I'm working four ten hour days instead of you know uh, weekends and all that. Just four ten hour days, and they would they would assign me like three or four airplanes to clean. I'd go up into the cockpit and get the trash out that the pilots had left, clean the windows, and maybe do the the instrument panel if if I was feeling this, you know especially giddy that day. And clean clean the plane up, take the trash down. It would take maybe 15 minutes a plane, 20 if I was really doing it right. So you figure, what's that's an hour a day I was actually working, and I was there 10 hours. Wow, what a gravy job. We had radios. We could call each other. We had our own little carts that we would drive around. I could go all over the airport. We had certain shacks that we could go into and cut the lights out and take a nap if we wanted to, and they'd call us if they needed us. We had ping pong tables. We had basketball. This is all out at FedEx, or it used to be. We had a cafeteria we could hang out at, eat. Since my radio would pick up all the way where I was living, sometime I went home for a little while. Didn't tell my boss that one. But we had it made. Gravy train. That sounds like the perfect job, right? A job you go to, you work an hour out of a 10-hour day, and you get paid for the full 10 hours. That's what most of us are looking for. And so it perplexed me, even though I wasn't saved at the time when we would have a meeting with our boss and he would come in. I had never heard such mumbling and complaining in my whole life out of this group of people. I'm like, well, y'all shut up. You're going to ruin this whole thing. I'm not kidding. I remember this one time that the boss said, you know, the aircraft mechanics have asked us politely if, you know, when we carry the trash out of the airplane, if we happen to see a bag of trash on the steps leading to the airplane, if we carry that down too. Seems like a reasonable request when you think, oh, (laughs) these people say, no, no, that's not in our job description. We don't touch the stairs. We only do the airplanes. Our handbook says this. And they run the boss down, talk about it. I've never been a part of such a murmur and complaining group of people in my life. And you think that's the job you want. But I tell you, after a couple of years, I was anxious to leave that. There was no satisfaction in it. I think as America, we're at that place where a lot of people just getting free money and people ain't working. People ain't applying themselves. And the more they sit around, people don't even want to go to the mailbox to get their check. They want it directly deposited from the government now. And There's no feeling of accomplishment and satisfaction in their life. And they sit around and murmur about everything that they don't have. Like that group you are not grateful. I'm telling you there's a better way to live this life. And it's not how much, how least you can do. It's how much you can do. <laughs> In America, it's easy to feel owed. To become entitled. And simply to be spoiled. We're a spoiled nation. We're going the way of the Roman Empire. Same thing happened to them. They had everything, but they became lazy, gluttonous, spoiled. Could could we muster enough true soldiers these days to fight a, a World War III like we did in World War II? Or would we kill each other on the way? Would we destroy each other bickering and being ungrateful for what we have? I need an iPhone 13. My iPhone 9 is just so old. Nobody has an iPhone 9 no more. It doesn't have the eight cameras. (laughs) Meanwhile, there's a four-year-old kid over in the country of India living in a garbage dump. Eating, looking for scraps to eat. No parents, no government assistance looking for a piece of cardboard to form into his right shoe so he can have two shoes. Or for a piece of cardboard he can lean against something and get up underneath there and stay out of the rain tonight. And so, when we're sitting there saying, I don't have the iPhone 13, we're saying somebody else has got it better than us. And we're comparing our situation with somebody else. Well, they got a bigger house. They got all these things. But Paul says it's unwise to compare yourselves among yourselves. That's unwise. Because when you compare yourself to somebody who's got more than you, you really need to compare yourselves also with somebody who don't have near as much as you. I told this to those Kids at youth villages, they got every reason, to, if anybody does to say, here in America, to say, I've had it rough. But I told them about those kids in India, and they were like, there are people who have it rougher than me. And I could go to that kid in India with his two cardboard shoes, and I could say, well, what about your buddy over here don't even have any feet? There's always somebody that's got it rougher than you. Why compare ourselves to ourselves to other people? That's a game that you'll never win one way or the other. Why not just be thankful for what you have? I told those kids, everybody's dealt a hand of cards. This is your hand, this is my hand. We ain't playing against each other. You do the best that you can do with what you were given and be thankful that you're even here. Be thankful that you're saved. You're going to heaven. Am I preaching too hard? A guy named Bo McNichols. He says, if you aren't grateful for what you have today, having more won't help you. That's a realization you need to come to. That's a good point right there. Because Jesus says, he who's faithful with a little will be given more. If you're not faithful and grateful where you are with what you have now, you're not going to be given more. Just like Brother Tom was talking about the principles of giving. There's another principle in the Word of God. Be faithful with what you have. Then you'll be trusted to have more. Be grateful for what you have. And then you'll be shown more Great grace. Albert Einstein said, some people have a problem for every solution. There's really two kind of people in the world. There's what I like to call the promised land positive. I'm going into the promised land. I don't care what it takes. I'm going to fight for it. I'm going to go in. I'm going to take, the, take, take back what the devil has stolen. But then you've got the complaining wilderness dwellers. That they're never going in. They're not even crossing the Jordan. They're not even going to start the fight. They're just going to sit over here and moan about it. That's not where you want to be. Those people are like clouds. It becomes a beautiful day when they disappear. Now look, if you're being convicted because you got a bad attitude at your job... And you know you're the one that's doing all the murmuring and all the complaining. Know this: I was that guy too. I was that guy too. when I got when I left FedEx, I went and got another job for eighteen years. I moaned and complained. <laughs> they couldn't tell I was a Christian at all, so I've been there. I showed them a glass yesterday, half empty, half full situation where I asked him what how they saw it and everything. And some people are just predisposed to say half empty. That's just your nature. We're all given, you know, different personalities. Some people just see things. They see the negative in everything. You have to work harder. I'm that person. I'm the recovering perfectionist that sees the way things ought to be and tends to be mad because they ain't the way I want them to be. Right? So I have to work harder to keep a cheerful attitude. But look, if you're not willing to overlook imperfections in your life, you're going to live a miserable life because there's no perfection down here. Jesus left, and when he went back to heaven, he took perfection with him. Except for the Holy Ghost. But the Holy Ghost is inside of you. And he will begin to perfect you. But perfection is not what we think. Philippians 2.14, Paul says, Do everything. Without complaining and arguing. I bet he looked around and probably says, Can you do something without complaining and arguing? (laughs) Just something. (laughs) We'll start with one thing. Can you do one thing without complaining and arguing? It's like we want to call down death on our own lives. You understand the power of life and death is in your tongue? In 1 Corinthians 10.10, Paul says, don't grumble as some of them did and then were destroyed by the angel of death. They're complaining, angered God to the point that the angel of death came down and destroyed them. God takes the words of our mouth and our grumbling and complaining seriously. Who are we complaining about anyway? When we complain, in Exodus 16.8, Moses says, the Lord hears your complaints which you make against Him. And what are we? Your complaints are not against us, but against the Lord. They were complaining to Moses. Moses, you don't do this. Moses, you. we just need to go back. If this is where way you are, Moses, they were directing them. They thought they were directing them at Moses. But Moses was saying, no, no, you're not complaining against me. You're complaining against God. Our complaints are ultimately at the end of their conclusion, complaints against God. Boy, this is a good Thanksgiving (laughs) message. I'm trying to teach you. We're going to start off with why we want to be thankful. Because your words are framing the world that you're going to have to live in. I know I have eaten the fruit of my words my whole life. I'm just one of those people that finally ate myself into a hole and said, I got to change something. And God did it in me. God did it in me. He will help you. If he helped me begin to be more positive about things, he will help you, I promise. If he could do it in me. There was, you say, but Pastor, you don't understand. I got such hard times. My life is so hard. And possibly hard, welcome to the club. Is there somebody here that's life is just totally grand? No, we all face the same twenty four seven We all face the rain and the pollution and the the people. <laughs> We all are in this together. There was a preacher. He was so upbeat. And every time he would start a sermon, he would tell about what he was thankful for that day. And his parishioners were like, man, he, he gets on my nerves. He said, oh, oh, what's he going to do today? One day they came into church on a Sunday morning. It was rainy. It was cloudy. It was cold. It was sleeting a little bit. It was so dreary. They said, well, we're going to sit back and see what he says today. There ain't no way. Pastor came up to the pulpit. He said, good morning, everybody. Aren't you thankful that every day isn't like Today. So what do you do when you're going through a really particularly bad day? Thank you, God. This is just maybe a season. This is just a season in my life. I know you're working all things together for my good. And I know I'm learning something in this. You can begin to see things. It's the way you see. Not what you see. It's the way you see that counts. Can you be grateful for a spouse that's not perfect? Well, I hope so, (laughs) because there's no perfect spouses. Can you be grateful for a job that's not perfect? I hope so, because there's no perfect jobs. Can you be grateful for a church that's not perfect? Churches are certainly not perfect, because they're filled with people, broken people who come here to be changed. And they bring their baggage in with them. And the church is certainly not a perfect place. But it's a, ch- a place where we should all be working together to change the atmosphere. Just because things aren't perfect don't mean you can't be happy. you got to choose to overlook the imperfections. Not focus on the negative, but focus on... On the possibilities. Maybe you've heard of Anne Frank. She was a teenager. She never lived to see her 20s. She was a Jew during Nazi Germany. She wrote the following. She said, think of all the beauty still left around you and be happy. You know where she wrote that from? A hiding place. A secret little annex built on to somebody's house, and they covered it with a a shelf so that there was you didn't know there was an entrance. They couldn't even cough for fear that they would be discovered and killed. And her whole family hid in this annex for two years. And this little teenage girl wrote a diary. She hadn't been outside, hadn't seen the sunshine, hadn't talked to her friends, and stuck in there with her aunts and uncles and people. (laughs) And she says this, think of all the beauty still left around you and be happy. And I wonder what would our teenagers today write, living here in America with all the luxuries we have, what would they write in their diaries? She would later, they would be caught. Her whole family taken to the Auschwitz concentration camp, where they would all die, except for her dad, who who lived and and took her writings and made made a story, made a book out of it. It's a great book. Angie, when I told her that uh, my wife Angie, when I told her that I was speaking on being grateful today, she said, "That's that's good because I've been." Looking into that and been hearing a lot of preaching on that. And she brought me this book. And it's a little grateful book, isn't it? Gratitude Journal is what she calls it. And you open it up. And every day it encourages you to write down what you're grateful for every day. Wonderful way to start your day. And so as a pastor's challenge on your bulletin today, I wrote something. I know you may not have a gratitude book, but you can just have a notebook or whatever. Or even on your phone. Why don't you do that this week and begin to practice gratitude and write down each day a few things that you're grateful for. It will begin to change the way you see. And there's another book too that you might want to read that will drastically change your outlook in this life. And you know what? You can tell who reads this book and who don't. You can tell the ones that's reading this book. You you can just tell in their eyes. You can certainly tell... By what they say, i'm gonna read you something that's a little bit long, but I think it's important to, uh you know my brother i you know my brother's situation I've talked about him he the last five or six years uh he's he had stage four cancer five or six years ago he had uh two or three lobes of his lung removed he had brain surgery he's uh he recovered and now uh now he's got recurring cancer of the spine which there's no cure for in the natural, but we know there is a cure. Uh, but he is going through this, the symptoms of this right now as we're believing for a miracle. And you can imagine his wife, Mindy, my sister-in-law, having to support her husband through all of this and raise the three boys. And, and uh, it would be easy to fall into a pattern of unthankfulness, blaming God. Where would we be in this situation? Well, there's a site called Caring Bridge where you can share what's going on with somebody. That way, everybody in the family can stay alert and you can all get on there and see what's the latest. That way, you don't have to keep calling them or everything. It's just a contact point. And so, she wrote in the uh, Caring Bridge Journal, October 11th, 2019. That's last month. She said the following. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and praise. Don't you just feel better when you start your day off by thanking God for all things big or small? It just seems right to the world when we start off praising and thanking our Creator. I guess you could say it put hop, puts a hop in our step and a hope in our hearts. For we have so much to be thankful and grateful for this fall morning. First of all, we all woke up to the beautiful sound of rain. And feel filling the colder colder temperatures. Heath has been blessed with some pretty cool things. September marked Heath's 21st year anniversary at Power and Telephone Supply Company, a company family who is near and dear to us both. His MRI of his brain remains free and clear, and the cancer of his lumbar remains unchanged. Praise be to God. He continually bounces back after repeated nausea spells that come on with a vengeance every two weeks or so. The last one landed him in a hospital for several days last week. He came home Sunday week, but continues to get stronger each day. So thankful for fluids and steroids and his increased appetite. We had the honor of seeing our oldest son graduate from Journeyman 2 Welding School earlier this year and land a job with the Corps of Engineers where he starts this Tuesday. Our cups overflow with joy and thankfulness, praising God for the many blessings and trusting him with the setbacks and trials. Yes, Heath is in the fight of his life, and some days it just flat out stinks. However, in the midst of his many trials and the storms that threaten to rage, my beloved presses on and continues to fight through and finish the race set before him. Jesus holds on to him, anchors him, and carries him through each step and hurdle. There is a nerve in his brain that controls the jaw and one that controls the hearing. Both have been affected, making it difficult to close his jaw to chew. He physically pushes his jaw with his hand to chew his food. He can still hear, but only louder pitches, so we just speak a little louder. Remember that in that song? Praise a little louder. Or <laughs> his pain continues through his legs, his back, and now his neck and shoulders. His leg strength is weaker, but thankfully he can still walk with a walker. Thank you for your continued prayers as he continues this fight. Pray the cancer goes away. The damage to his body will be restored and he will continue to have a good appetite. The nausea will go away and stay away and chewing and hearing are restored. Also, that he will be comfortable during the continual three- to four-hour test on the 23rd. We appreciate you so much. You have carried and stood in in for us in prayer. Thank you, prayer warriors. We are looking forward to many things this fall season. Naturally, the changing of the leaves and the gorgeous sunsets, but all the celebrations of Heath's birthday later this month, watching one of our favorite basketball players play his final year at Lewisburg, her son son Isaiah, seeing what God has in store for all three of our sons and so much more, always hoping and anticipating for now and the future in his righteous hands, the Sheffield family. That (laughs) That sounds like something somebody would write if they just won the lottery. Job lost everything for a period in his life. He lost his family. He lost his health. He lost his wealth and his riches. And he thought that God was punishing him. His friends were saying, this is a punishment from God. You must have done something wrong. And even, he, even though he didn't know it was the devil doing it to him, he thought it was God doing it to him. In Job thirteen fifteen, he says, though God slay me, yet will I trust him. Is it easy to have faith when everything is going well? Is it easy to have faith when you've lost it all? Is showing faith, uh, thankfulness, and gratefulness in the midst of your storm a sign of faith? It's said that seeds of discouragement will not grow in a grateful heart. If you will develop a sense of gratitude and thankfulness in your life, you'll stop being discouraged. It just won't grow in your heart. Hateful and grateful don't grow in the same place. God loves a grateful heart. There was a leper that said to Jesus, if you want to, you can heal me. You remember that? In Matthew 8, Verse 3 in the message paraphrase. It says, Jesus reached out and touched him saying, I want to be clean. Then and there, all the signs of the leprosy were gone. And Jesus says, don't talk about this all over town. Just quietly present your healed body to the priest along with the appropriate expressions of thanks to God. Do you know there's appropriate expressions of thanks to God? What's the appropriate thing to do when God heals you? <laughs> he says, Your cleansed and grateful life, not your words, will bear witness to what I have done. Your grateful life is your best witness. There was another story about lepers. There was a leper colony, and Jesus was coming through town, through Jerusalem. And, you know, of course, lepers had this skin-eating disease, and their skin would turn white, body parts would fall off. Oop, there was my ear, you know. It was killing them slowly, and it was contagious. And so they didn't know how to treat it. There was no treatment, so they would put them in a little colony, quarantine them. Y'all stay over there, we'll stay over here. No contact with your family, no love, no care. Just stay over there, but they heard Jesus was coming through town, they must have heard that he was a healer, and that he loved folks because they came out of their colony, and they didn't they they must have not heard that he had touched the other leper, not that you're a leper. They must have not heard about that jesus didn't care that they were contagious. So they only came down close to the road and they began to shout, "Jesus, have mercy on me. Have mercy on us. Have mercy look at us. We have nothing. Look at look at our lives. We're slowly dying. We're decaying from the inside out." And in Luke 17:14 in the message paraphrase, it says, "Taking a good look at them, he said, "Go and show yourselves to the priest." And so by faith, they did what he said. They went, and while still on the way, they became clean. Hey, my hand's different. Wait. Guys, are you seeing this? We're clean. We're clean. Can you imagine the joy? They're going to the priest, and now they're going to be able to show them, because they had to show the, the priest that they were clean. So that the priest would give them license to go back into regular society. So that they could live life again and come out of the colony. And nine of them kept going. They went, and while still on the way, they became clean. But one of them, when he realized that he was healed, he turned around and came back, shouting his gratitude, glorifying God. He kneeled at Jesus' feet, so grateful. He couldn't thank Him enough. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus says, Were there not ten healed? Where's the other nine? Boy, that's a sad percentage, isn't it? How many of you have been healed from your sin? How many of you was living in a colony? You were outcast. You were dead in your sins and trespasses. There was no hope for your life. And you heard that this Jesus might forgive you. He might heal you. And you You snuck out and you, Jesus, maybe, are you who they say you are? And they called him Lord. They said, Lord, have mercy on us. And isn't that what God, that's all he requires for you to be saved. Is make him Lord and cry out for his mercy. And he healed you. He healed your old leprous heart that was eating away at you. He gave you a new hope and a new life and new possibilities. And He brought you into the family and He gave you purpose and direction. And He filled you with His Spirit where there's life and peace. Gave you a new... Just a new. He made you new. He came and He makes all things new. And none of them went about their way to get their business done. Well, i got to do my stuff. I gotta I gotta go to the priest and get my stuff back. But but one of them said, wait a minute. We can do that later. Right now it's time to go give thanks to God. One in ten gives thanks to God properly. Will you be that one? And Jesus said, Go your way. What does he say? I don't think it's this. Somebody, he said. Anybody have it open? Luke seventeen. What does Luke seventeen twenty say? but where And say the next one. Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this me? In the next one. And he said to them, "Arise, go your way." your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well and the King James it says your faith has made you whole. So that ear that it fell off on the way, it's back. The others were cleansed, but the one who came back and gave thanks to God, he received the miracle. And gratefulness will bring miracles into your life. He was made whole isn't that good I love God you know there's so many benefits to being grateful I just wrote down ten that I thought of but I'm sure the list goes into the thousands but just a few just to end with it glorifies God when you're grateful there's nothing worse than somebody with a bumper sticker a fish bumper sticker and, and going around with a sour look on their face all the time. Just take the bumper sticker off. Don't claim to be a Christian if that's you. (laughs) It glorifies God when you're thankful. Oh, I thank you, Jesus. It's more attractive to others. That's what draws people in. They see there's a difference. Well, I'm mad and grumbling about everything, but he's he's going through the same thing as me, but he's happy all the time. (laughs) They don't want nothing to do with you until they say, Well, maybe he's got something going on over there. Why why you happy? Witnessing too, my goodness. You begin to stand out as lights in the midst of a dark and a perverse and a crooked generation that unthankful people. It reduces anxiety and it steals your heart. Just be thankful. Nothing can nothing can upset your cart. Nothing can flip your boat. I'm just thankful. Though He slay me, I'll still follow Him. I know that all things are working together for my good. There's nothing that can happen to me. I'm just going to be grateful for what I have. If it's just for the breath in my lungs today, if that's all I can think of, I'm going to be happy. Number four, it helps us remember God's goodness You're thinking about all the things you have to be grateful for. He did this for me. And so thus it begins to stir up your faith for the things in the future. If he did it for me back then, he'll do it for me again. It's building your faith to be grateful. It fosters humility. Number five. It's hard to grumble and be humble. (laughs) I just made that one up. That's pretty good. I love rhymes. If you haven't noticed, <laughs> if you're not grumbling, then you you're in the process of humbling, <laughs> right? It just makes it it just humbles you to not complain. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. Number six, it keeps you from sinning with your mouth. But like I said, you can't be hateful and grateful at the same time either, right? Aren't you tired of being the victim? Isn't it time to become the victor? With an overcoming spirit. I stole this one from Charles Stanley. He said it motivates us to look for his purpose in our circumstance. Once again, Romans 8, all things are working together. When we're grateful, we're looking, we're saying, Okay, I'm going through this season in my life. I got this hard time in my in my life right now, but because I know God has always delivered me before, and I'm grateful for all he's done, and I see a pattern of him, I see his hand at work in my life, I know he's working this for my good, whether it's to help me grow, to be bigger on the inside, whatever he's doing, I know it might not it might be uncomfortable that his hands are in my pot right now. But I'm gonna stay on the wheel. And be thankful that he has his hand on my life one way or the other. Number eight, grateful leads to joyful. I'm just happy preaching it. (laughs) It leads to contentment. And godliness with contentment is great gain, James says. How many people in America are content today? We're, we're driven by the media and by the advertisers. You got to have this to be happy. You got to do this to be happy. You got to have this degree. You got to have this job. You got to have this pedigree. You got to have this look. You got to be like everybody else to be happy, but you don't. You can be content with what God gave you. Number nine, it sets an example for others. Do you want your children growing up murmuring and complaining and being desert dwellers? I'm preaching real hard against us, Angie. I'm telling you, I'm not preaching this from a point of view that we got it figured out and I'm trying to tell you, I'm preaching to myself. Number ten. I love this one. Gratefulness. Gratefulness triggers more of God's grace. You know, if you've ever given a gift to somebody who was just completely lackluster about it, yeah, well, yeah, thanks. <clears throat> you told yourself right then and there, I ain't never given them nothing else. Them people ain't getting nothing from me. But if you ever gave something to somebody like, dude, you thought of me. Oh, man, that's awesome, Dude, I... They were grateful. You're like, what can I get them next? And God is the same way. God is, He's a good dad, man. Sometimes He don't give you what He wants to give you because He knows you ain't grateful. It's not helping you, it's hurting you. Parents, you can do the same thing. Sometimes you're giving your children stuff they ain't grateful. You're creating spoiled children. You have to withhold what you want to give them until they learn some gratefulness. Oh, but if you ever get this grateful principle in your life, God's going to bless your socks off. Woo! 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9 and Amplified says, Just as it is written in Scripture, things which the eye has not seen and the ear has not heard, and which have not even entered into the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him who hold him in an affectionate reverence, who obey him, and who gratefully recognize the benefits that he has bestowed. It ain't even entered into your mind yet. You ain't even thought of how good God wants to treat you if you'll be grateful for what you have. If you're you're grateful for the little, he will give you much. He's wanting, He's longing to invest in your life. And are we grateful for the cross? I said that earlier. Some of us have been saved for so long now, we forget the main thing. We're not going to hell. (laughs) Your, Your future is settled. There's nothing the devil can do about it, no matter what happens down here. You can't kill a dead man. I've already died to this life. I'm living the new one. This is just a transitional period for me. This is all just a test. I already know where I'm going. God's just wanting to test me to see if I'll be grateful for it. (laughs) Look, don't sweat it. You're going through these hard times. Don't sweat it. Don't sweat it. Find something to be grateful about and change your perspective. Your attitude determines your altitude. It determines how how successful you're going to be in this life. The way you see, you can you can just default to the negative, or you can say, No, no, I know there's imperfections, but I know my God. I know my God's still in control, He got this. And I know all things are working together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That's me. I'm called. Yay. There's purpose. Me. Little old me. They told me i would never to nothing. Now God uses me. How could we not live lives of gratitude for all he's done for us? It would just be a travesty. Now if you've been doing that, we fall into those traps. That's why we stir each other up. That's what church is for. We stir each other up into remembrance. When you've been going through a series of hard things, it's easy to forget. It's been a period of time since you got saved. It's easy to forget, but we're stirring each other to remembrance. It says stir up the joy that is on the inside of you. Put yourself in remembrance. Put God in remembrance. Let Him know how grateful you are. Watch the attitude change. Watch the situations change. Watch the atmosphere at your job change. It wasn't until I began to be grateful for my last job that He put me in this job. I had to pass the test. And you can pass the test. Will you really do what I asked you to do in the pastor's challenge this week? You gotta form new habits. New habits require you—you you change the way you do it. It just don't happen because you want to. So this week, write down in, in a notebook or somewhere a few things that you're grateful for each day, and then on Thanksgiving, when it's just Thursday, right? Why don't you share some of them with your family? They say, "What? What's, what's come over him? What's she talking about?" Show them how good your God is. Make it a lifestyle, but you start one day at a time, being grateful. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.